You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. rolls to the boys back to Kingsley curls the twice no, 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 no Kingsley magic hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club happy Monday listeners we don't often bring you a podcast to start the week, but hopefully this little surprise episode can help you avoid having a blue Monday and make it more of a maroon Monday. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined by a man who possibly used to listen to Blue Monday at the Citrus Club on an indie night alongside Scott McIntosh. It is Mark Donaldson. Uh, no. Hello, everyone. A Blue Monday from New Order. Not bad, but no, not the Citrus Club. Um, yeah, a lot to get to today. Um, victory at Spartans, but not anywhere near as convincing as we would have liked. A Scottish Cup draw, a look ahead to a midweek fixture, home games coming up, a potential another new signing when we didn't think we were getting more, and the newspapers and certain journalists at it again um, to try and sell our best player. So, yeah, lots, lots to do, lots to do. Yes, a few things to get through, but we will keep this a fairly brief little episode to start the week because we will be back with a, maybe a similar length instalment after the Dundee game. But we felt with the cup draw having been made, with Hearts having played Spartans and with the Dundee game coming up, we wanted to uh, just catch up with you all in between because we felt there was enough to get through. Um, so... As Mark says, we will talk about the Cup. It's more of a Cup special, this one. We'll talk about the Spartans against Heart of Midlothian in the fourth round. We'll talk about the fifth round draw. We will look ahead to that game against Dundee in the Premiership. Hearts return to league action since the winter break. Um, before we get all um, stuck into the match action, though, Mark... I'm not going to have a whole rumour mill segment of this particular shorter episode of the podcast, but some news at the time of recording. By the time you listen to this, this may well be official. It sounds like it's about to be done, but a second heart signing of the January transfer window appears to be on the way with the arrival of Scott Fraser on loan from Charlton Athletic, seemingly imminent. Uh, it's a 28-year-old who will be looking to return north, having spent the last five and a half years south of the border. Now, Fraser came through the Dundee United Youth Academy, went on to play more than 100 times for the Arabs uh, before joining Burton Albion in League One. He then had spells at MK Dons, Ipswich, and most recently Charlton, all in the third tier 
of English football. He hit double figures um, at all clubs apart from Ipswich, so still with an eye for goal. And he has played 22 times this season, nine starts in the league for Charlton Athletic. Uh, Ryan McGowan actually messaged about this particular player because he played with him at Dundee United and he said he's technically very good, great left foot, can see a pass, adds a goal or an assist threat if the team is set up properly. Um, bit of a left field this one, isn't it Mark? I don't know if this is just because there's been a few exits from Hearts, Andy Halliday, one of those on his way, Alex Lowry now back to Rangers, but we, we didn't expect an incoming, especially one so quickly. Apparently there's a Charlton fan saying he's been pished this season, so why are we even bothering? Um, I jest. He hasn't scored yet this season, but he got nine in League One last season, and I, I put a link out with, with those goals. Someone has put them all together uh, under the Scottish Pirlo. Let's not get carried away. I don't know too much about him. Um, I, I saw that YouTube clip. It's not a case of do we need him. Right? Because we need goals, we need creativity, we need someone that can unlock defences, we need someone to make late runs into the box, to get on the end of things, to set up things. So if he provides that, then yeah, we, we do need him. I just find some of our recruitment, and this isn't having a go at Scott Fraser, um, some of our recruitment of late has been a bit scattergun approach. I'm sure we'll speak about um, Tagawa, uh, when we're talking about the Spartans game. Um, but Scott Fraser, what's the difference between him and, and George Grant? I can't answer that because I've I've seen um, clips of Scott Fraser and I don't know if they're going to be utilised in similar positions. But if you're George Grant, you're thinking, really? Callum Newenhoff, again, Stephen Naismith likes him and, and thinks after he, he settles that he'll be a good addition to the heart squad. And I understand them kind of saying, and this is this is what we've spoken about before. We don't have patience. None of us have got patience anymore in life. If he's not great straight away, then he's shite. That's it. He's done. I made my mind up. Go home. You're no use to us. So with Halliday leaving, and that that's that's no loss because he's not featured at all. Um Lowry was a bit of a surprise. I'm not disappointed by it, but we've got to we've got to replace the creativity from somewhere because Barry Mackay's still hurt. And hopefully Scott Fraser can be the answer. Yep, I, I'm the same as you. I can't comment on him from direct experience too much, albeit he did play for Dundee United and some of that was in the top flight. I remember him being there. Couldn't remember much in terms of specifics. So I did put this out there looking if, to see if any Dundee United fans or others had some more information on him. Uh, got some messages from Callum Bell, who works for STV. He's a Dundee United fan and he said... Um, I really liked him at Dundee United, he's a classy and creative player, probably a bit lightweight and inconsistent at times, but I think that had more to do with his age than his ability. He went on to say um, he tried to eradicate the memories of some of those seasons um, because it wasn't a great time for Dundee United, but he said he remembered he had great close control and a good eye for a forward pass. Definitely more forward thinking in terms of his midfield role. Um, he needed a bullish centre midfielder next to him. Didn't follow his career so much, so he might be more rounded now, says Callum. And uh, Scott Jackson also messaged and said he spoke to a Charlton contact who advised him the following. Good player, left-footed attacking midfielder who's good on the ball, lacks a bit of pace and can be a bit loose defensively. 
but good quality to open up the defence with a pass or a goal, good at free kicks uh, and a good signing. So a lot of good there, which is what, what we want to hear. So um, hard for us to make a judgment just now, but certainly it's an area of the park where we have lots of players who are, I guess, decent maybe ball carriers, decent ball winners, decent holders, but we don't have many who offer, I guess, an incisive attacking threat from the middle of the park. So I suppose on paper... It's the type of player that would maybe benefit the team. Will he be good enough? I suppose time will tell. And he is not yet officially a signing, but I think a lot of the different news outlets are picking this one up. It's been run by the Evening News as well. So it sounds like it's it's going to be a done deal. So we'll see how that one goes. But, but for now, we'll move on and get cracking with the rest of the podcast. Hart spread the play to the left of George Grant. Corner taker looking to take on Dishington onto his right foot. Curls it to the back post, decent ball, headed towards goal, yes. and it's in! Yes. And it's Kenneth Vargas who nods in his third goal in as many games and gives Hearts a lead. It's a wonderful cross from the left from George Grant and Kenneth Vargas, the Costa Rican, rolls well, nods it past the goalkeeper, and that's the Spartans nil. Hartman and Lothian won, we've played less than 12 minutes. You're listening to Scarves Are In The Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So, Scottish Cup fourth round. Hearts returning to action after the winter break, making the short trip to Ainsley Park, just three and a half miles from Tynecastle. I looked, it's actually just a fraction closer than Easter Road, this ground for Hearts, as the Spartans hosted Hart and Midlothian, the first ever competitive meeting of these two clubs less than four miles apart so this is now I guess the V Edinburgh Derby Hearts unbeaten in five matches winning four and drawing one of those and they'd also won five of the last six away games Spartans did lose their last game against Stennis Muir but that's a Stennis Muir team who are League 2 leaders and a bit of a runaway League 2 leaders at the moment they've been on very good form that's 12 wins in a row for them now after a victory at the weekend and um, but prior to that, Spartans had won five games in a row. So they've been having a good season now, part of the SPFL. So, Mark, it's one of these it's one of these potential banana skins, is the cliche, isn't it? It's it's one that we, we certainly all predicted a comfortable win. But we've seen some from some of the games and some of the results when not 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 every team's had it their own way against lower league clubs. Ryan McGowan can attest to that. Um but even Hibbs against Forfer they struggled in this one. Aberdeen at times didn't look like there was going to. It was going to be a, a routine victory for them against Clyde. You can't really underestimate these teams, can you? No, and and I was thinking if if we'd recorded scarves around the funnel and it had been a thing back in January two thousand and twelve, and our episode which followed Auchinleck Talbot coming to Tynecastle and only losing by one very late Gordon Smith goal, what would we have been saying? Would we have been complaining about the lack of goals, the the performance? Ultimately, Hearts went on to win the trophy that year. So I'm not going to just say, look, it's all about the result and getting through to the next round, being in the hat, because you want to be better. And I thought we, I thought we started the game very well, but no, no. There's, there's, there's this continual issue about trying to break teams down 
whether it's a low block that they have, whether it's defending deep, whether it's not much space between the defensive line and the midfield line or whatever. And we struggle with that. And we did on Saturday as well. We did. Uh, look at the team, first of all. There was five changes uh, for the Hearts side that had defeated Livingston before the break. Uh, outgoing Xander Clark, Toby Civic, Peter Haring, Callum Newenhoff, and Lauren Shankland. The latter, Shankland, uh, reported as being unwell by um, the Hearts coaching team, so unavailable for this one. In came five players, Oda, Benny, uh, Grant, Tagawa, and of course, the main one, the number one, Mr. Craig Gordon, back in for his first match in 392 days. And the man himself, he, I know he likes his stats and numbers, so he probably messaged you this as well, but he mentioned to me that it's um, it was 7,777 days since his debut, and he noted that obviously the number 77 scored. So um, we'll start on a, a positive note. Great to see him back. It's weird. And it's weird because when he's in goal, it's just like everything will be fine. It's, it's Craig's there. Doesn't matter. Oh, there's a one on one. It's Craig. Usually it's fine. It's just that comfort blanket that's back. It's that comfy pair of slippers. That's it's that, yeah, I'm 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 happy here. This is this is what we want. We've we've got our goalkeeper back. Now it's going to be very interesting to see what plans Stephen Naismith has because he says he's going to try and make it work so that both Xander Clark and Craig Gordon play enough that they're both available um, and in contention to, to be in the Scotland squad for the Euros. How they make that work, time will tell. But just to have them back, oh, it felt good. Apart from that, you know, we've mentioned the changes. So it was a back three, as as usual, Kent Halkett, Kingsley, Oda right, Cochrane left. Benny Meningami sitting. Grant and Alan Forrest with the task of kind of moving forward from there. Alan Forrest in his 70th appearance in a more central role, albeit there was quite a lot of fluidity about the positions with Kenneth Vargas. And um, Kioski Tago in attack. Now, it started fairly well for Hearts. I mean, the the game itself fairly low tempo, but 12th minute, George Grant crossed from the left. Kenneth Vargas with a header, three goals in three games for the Costa Rican, which is certainly good to see. And that's kind of what you want in these these games, isn't it? The worry is maybe it goes on at being nil-nil for a while and yeah. the nerves start to, to creep in. But get an early goal, you feel like that should settle things. And I guess at that point, I felt you know pretty relaxed and pretty confident that this will be a pretty comfortable afternoon mm -hmm. and uh, as the game wore on that was when the concern the, the concern wasn't a shit they could equalize it was like a they're they're only a goal behind it was we needed a second goal and it was i don't know if it was like we switched off i'm i'm, I'm not sure i thought we were good first 10 and the, the goal thought we deserved it and that that should have been remember we went down to Auchinleck again um, and I know we spoke about uh, we spoke about Auchinleck earlier, and that was a home game. But we went down there and we won pretty comfortably. We got the first, and then we just steamrolled them. I was kind of expecting it to be the same way, but we made a bit of a meal of this, did we not? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. This game, so I, you know, we've said this in a few games. We're not going to break this down play by play, but 
on the whole, it was a game of pretty much attack against defence. It was oh, hard. It was total control hearts, as well, Laurie. 70% to 70%, you know, three quarters of the ball, basically. And Spartans pretty happy to defend basically the edge of their box at times. And fair enough. You understand that, you know, their fourth tier, playing a, a top flight professional club, whilst it was either level or they were only a goal behind, they were well in the game. So it was a pretty fair game plan for them. But it did make it a pretty poor game to watch, to be honest. Um, it was just Hearts with a lot of possession. And it's it was Hearts at their, at their worst at times. But I think there's also a bit of a, a caveat to that, that it is very hard when it doesn't matter if they're semi-professional and they're a fourth tier team. If you've got 11 players sitting with what, sometimes 20 to 25 yards from their goal, it's very hard to find a way through at times. And I mean, I was interestingly, one thing I did enjoy about this game was I was, I was delighted I actually got to commentate from the ground and we were placed, Rob, Rob Borthwick and myself were placed basically pitch side. We were literally leaning against the advertising boards with the Hearts bench five yards to our right. So it was terrific. We were right in amongst the action. It's, it's not the best for calling what's happening in a game from the far side, but I would much prefer that than having a perfect view on a TV screen in the studio. I thought it was great. But I had Stephen Naismith just to my right and you could he was barking and screaming at things. And I think I messaged you guys on WhatsApp and said, um, yeah, you can probably see it from watching, but I'd be very surprised if Stephen Naismith is going to keep Yutaro Oda and Kioski Tagawa on for um, much longer in this game because he was screaming their names multiple times during the match. Uh, I would say on the on the on the Tagawa front, you know, I thought Oda and, and Tagawa were pretty ineffective in this game. You know, it was a game where Hearts as a whole were ineffective at times and carving out opportunities and breaking down that low block. But the Tagawa one's a a, a tricky one because he just he was making runs and he was trying to get in behind. Hearts don't really play in a way that makes Tagawa work at all, does it? I mean, I'd, no. I don't I don't know if Kioski Tagawa is a good or a bad player, to be honest. It's like I watch a game and think, oh, he's he's dreadful, he's missing chance after chance, or he's, his distribution is bad or something. You could, you could argue he maybe he's not getting involved enough in games, but you know, we saw clips of him and we spoke about it when he signed. You know, he looked like maybe the kind of player that we'd want, like Ginelli did at Hearts in terms of getting in behind. You know, using that pace coming from out wide. Um, we don't really play to get anything out of him. So he's, he's pretty anonymous in games and I, I get the criticism, but at the same time, we're not really doing him any favours, are we? Depends which way you want to look at this. Depend, it depends whose side that you're on. Um, is he going to be another Mallory Martin where he's on a long-term deal? I'm like, what the hell were we doing signing him? Or is it going to be another kind of Kai Rolls and that we change our formation to suit the individual? Well, you ain't changing anything for Tagawa simply because he's not a first choice. I have no issue with him starting in this game because if, if, if not then, then when? Yeah. When, exactly, so, yeah. There's your opportunity. Now, I, I get both sides of what you're saying. It's We don't know what he is. What is a Tagawa? Seriously, we we don't know. 
uh, he's a modern centre forward that will come short, that will run the channels. He just as, as Scott McIntosh, um, who is not with us today because of internet issues, but I will I will pass on his remark that he said um, in our group after the game. Recruitment needs to be looked at. Tagawa is not suited to this game at all. What metrics are recruitment using when making recommendations? Tagawa cannot play with his back to goal or make runs across the back line, so he offers us nothing unless we're playing a team who are committing a lot of men forward, which is not a lot of fixtures. Now, you know what? In the next round, that might be actually a decent player um, compared with the opposition and what they actually do. This wasn't. But do you not play him? Because you know they're gonna they're just gonna sit deep. No, that should have been a game he's thinking I could get a hat trick here or I could get a couple of goals. But you could tell and when you'd message saying that Naismith was not happy at halftime, and it would be no surprise that Tagawa and Oda were replaced. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, so we're going to look at the second half, and one thing um, I did quite find quite interesting as well about having Stephen Naismith along alongside us is he, um, you know, I don't know a lot of times, and I think we've talked talked about this before about sometimes fans getting frustrated about the team maybe not moving it quicker, not being incisive enough, you know, lots of sideway passes or going back the way. Um, Stephen Esmith is um, as frustrated as anyone by that. Um, yeah. I can I can attest to that from being beside him and absolutely fuming. I think some of the, at one point, um, he said, it's been there, it's been there already, basically because Hearts had played the ball back the same place it had already been instead of looking for a different pass. So they were, obviously played around the defence, played it forward and it came back again. He wasn't happy that we were just returning it to the same place and he wanted it quicker um, forward. He was looking for more movement. It was He was jumping up and down at one point, literally, like it was a cartoon. So, very unhappy. So, certainly at times, he's obviously not getting the tempo and the penetration he wants from his players. So, uh, certainly interesting to see you being, being right alongside them. In terms of the second half... Obviously, we make the changes just before the hour mark because the second half is pretty much like the first in terms of the way the game's going with passage of plays. In, on came 16-year-old James Wilson, very promising young striker, a lot of interest in him from down south, a few big clubs, Aston Villa, I think Man United reported as well. Um, not 17 until March. Didn't really get much of a chance to, to impact this game and he's still very raw and still looks very much 16, a bit of bulking up to do for him, but He's been promised he'll be in and around the squad at times, so good to see him get on the park. Um, Dexter Lembekisa came on as well, though. Mm. We've spoken about Tagawa, and I've, I've, you know, I'm not going to criticise Oda too much. I thought he was poor, but one thing that was evident when Dexter Lembekisa came on for his debut, obviously a new Jamaican international, uh, straight away looked very positive. Won a free kick within what 10, 15 seconds of being on, and there've been question marks from his. Um, previous club in terms of the fans of the previous club and the feedback that we'd received about his defensive side of things but in a right wing back role obviously the more impetus of that will be in attacking and he, he looked direct didn't he and I know we've got to take into account the opposition but 
I liked the way he just wanted to take a player on, get the ball into the box, get to the byline. And um, so far, small sample size, but if I'm going to look for positives from this game, one of them for me was was Dexter Lembekisa. You can say you've got to take into account the opposition, but Tagawa failed to impact against the opposition. Oda failed to impact against the opposition. But Benny was quiet. Um, Forrest didn't really get into the match. So when Dexter came on, I love players that, where's the ball? Where's the goal? Right? That's the radar. It's just like, give me the ball. And then the first thing he does, he gets fouled. Because he tries to take on the the player, knocks it by him, gets pulled back. And then the next time he's in, he's in the box. Give me that all day long. In a game that you're expected to win, or a game you know you're going to have a lot of the ball, a lot of possession, you need someone like that. You need someone who's either going to get to the byline, whip in crosses. It's interesting talking about Dexter Lembekisa, and it, it got me thinking back, and I'll keep this brief because I know we're on a short time frame today. Um, we had a conversation last week about what, what formation we're going to go. Are we going to keep the same formation that we'll probably play against Dundee, or are we going to change it? We didn't need three centre-backs. That, that formation didn't work against Spartans. I'm not saying 4-2-3-1 would, but I, it, with hindsight, and whatever I said last week, with, with hindsight, I think you learn that it might be a case for certain games it's horses for courses. Okay, that formation um, didn't really work, but when Lemba Kisa came on, he made an impact, and hopefully that impact can continue. Back out to Booth, who finds Craig in edge of the box. What a shot and what a goal! What a goal! James Cregan with an absolute cracker for the home team. You have to say, on the volley, no chance for Craig Gordon. It's fourth of the season for James Cregan, and it may be for the other side here, but Rob Borthwick, you've got to say that as an absolute wonderful strike there. It's, it's a thumping, thumping strike from James Cregan just on the edge of the box, on the volley. It's a great goal. And that's exactly what we've been saying, Laurie. You need to make the most of the pressure, the possession that you have to try and put this game out of sight. And Spartans have done exactly what they needed to do. They've got one opportunity. He's even a half chance. Stuck it in the back of the net. I mean, they've got a head of steam now. It's up to Hearts to just be professional. Get a goal. See this game out. Get through the next round. There was a big impact from James Cregan, who scored in the 64th minute to level things, really from nowhere. For Spartans, it's, it's a wonderful goal on the volley from the former Partick Thistle man, Craig Gordon. No chance with this one as it flies in. Um, we're not VAR advocates on this podcast by any stretch, but certainly when you, you see the replay, obviously from, from our position, pitch side, 60 yards away, we couldn't really see this, but quite clearly Callum Booth, the unknown St. Johnson man, is offside for it. Um we criticise officials enough on this, so we probably won't bang on too much about it, but certainly it was one that was missed, and thankfully, it's not one that impacted things too much, because in the 92nd minute, there was a big sigh of relief around the Arts fans at Ainsley Park, as Alex Cochran corner was headed in by Frankie Kent. His first goal for Hearts, the winning goal, sent Hearts through, broke Spartans' Hearts, and put the men in maroon in the hat for the next round. I think, you know, I'm not going to focus too much on the things I've just mentioned there, Mark, but I guess one thing that's evident here is right now, hearts really do miss Lawrence Shanklin. We're, we're not going to get, we've, we've talked about the 
the um, the rumours and stuff about him previously. We're not going to get into that just now. But in terms of just the fact he was missing, I noticed on the Heart Standard they spoke about his stats and they, they mentioned the fact, I think it was Joel on the Heart Standard talking about the fact that Shanklin's had 74 shots this season. Um, behind him in terms of Hearts totals, Liam Boyce on 24, Alex Lowry on 19 as well as Alan Forrest. Both Boyce and Lowry have played, have started fewer than half of Hearts league games. So, if ever there was an example of why Hearts should be desperate not to sell Lawrence Shanklin this window, I think that game on Saturday was it. Mm-hmm. I, I do think he was ill. Um, it's yes, of course, it's a coincidence. No, he's not cup tied, but it'll it'll tell whether he's back for Dundee or Aberdeen or whatever. But yeah, he's 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 a huge miss. Um, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm adamant. I'm optimistic, and I'm I'm pretty sure that he'll be going nowhere. Um, this this whole tabloid in Scotland trying to get him to 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 Rangers. Come on, now. I mean, it's making it so obvious. And um, what was the the last story was um, was about Rangers expected to this that and the other, and it's a quote from Tam McManus. I mean, come on, we're getting absolutely desperate here. It's just a nonsense, and they're making themselves look stupid. Fully expecting Lauren Shanklin to be back in a Hearts jersey against either Dundee or Aberdeen after illness, and fully expecting him still to be at the club when the transfer window closes this time around. Let's hope that's the case, but Hearts through, and let's move on and speak about the next round. Ball in from Coffin. Head away for... Yes! scores! Come on! Heartbreak for Spartans! Relief for Hearts! And it's a first goal in Maroon for Frankie Kent. The corner from Coffin. Bullet header from Frankie Kent into the bottom right corner. And the celebrations are fairly low-key. And hopefully that will be the job done for Hearts. But never say never in this game. Spartans 1, Hearts 2. Okay, we're recording this on Sunday night and uh, just about an hour ago, the draw for the Scottish Cup fifth round was made and Hearts came out the hat to be drawn away from home in what I'm sure will be named in the press as the Jimmy Sanderson Derby against Airdrionians. Now, those of a certain vintage will feel... um, absolute uh, fear and terror when they see a cup draw between Airdrionians and, and Hearts and I'm I'm not quite of that age, I started really kind of getting into Hearts to later 90s I think it was 96, 97 I really started watching them so I just missed the Airdrie horrors because if you look back um, to the 90s generally there were three Scottish Cup ties between Hearts and Airdrie and Airdrie knocked Hearts out every single time the last mm-hmm. being a semi-final in 1995 Mr Sanderson himself heavily involved in that horror for Hearts um, it does carry on into the 21st century it has to be said there was a League Cup defeat in the second round in 2008 on penalty kicks although the last Scottish Cup meeting was 2020, just before COVID, when Daniel Stendhal's side won 5-0 against Airdrionians in the fourth round at Tyne Castle. Um, hopefully that banished any demons, did it, Mark? Or are you still nervous about a tie against Airdrie? 
eight of the 16 clubs had already been drawn out. And when Airdrie came out, I said, I, I said, talk to myself when the draw was on. I said, I'll take that. And yeah, it, it could have been Celtic. It could have been Rangers. It could have been others. So I'm, I'm fine with that. But there was, there was a immediate, oh, sheesh. I remember being at Broomfield in January 1991. Gary McKay gave hearts to lead. Joe Jordan was in charge. Robbo missed an absolute sitter to go 2-0 up. We'd have probably put the game beyond doubt. They were in the, the league below at the time, and, and they scored twice in the second half and won it 2-1. That was the first memory, because that was the first time we'd played them in a competitive game since the First Division in 1983. But the Scottish Cup ties the following year in the semi-final were just horrendous. When Alan McLaren equalised in the semi-final replay, you thought, right, we've got the momentum. We still managed to screw it up. So even the one in 1995, I think it was, um, when when Stevie Cooper scored as well, another semi-final that, that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, they just had something. I, I didn't like it. It was it was the perfect place for, for them to have a cup upset. Broomfield, really tight to the pitch. They had these jerseys, and obviously known as the Diamonds, but back then they had the most minute of numbers in black and I actually watched that 1991 cup tie at Broomfield on Amoruso Let's It Run and it just oh everything about them was just ugh. but you had to go and beat them we didn't and hopefully it's a different outcome this time yeah we got some reaction to this one on Twitter Graham said we'd rather have been at home but it's better than it what it could have been hopefully we'll get some players back and Fraser in Grant Patience says, nightmare flashbacks to 95 when I was a kid at Hamden of an utterly horrific game. Uh, Jamtarts51 says, happy with that. Hopefully it, um, hopefully we'll sell it out. Robert Gill is also happy with that. George Loudon said, could have been worse given the teams left when number eight came out, but awful flashbacks to the 80s. A real cup bogey team then. Uh, Douglas Rankin says, depending on whether you were around for the three games of the 92-95 to 95 semis in the 91 Cup game, will have a large effect on how you feel about this tie. I yeah, know we've true. beaten them a few times since, but I'll take any win now. Ta. Um, Alan Cummings says, happy enough with the draw, a test, but very winnable. Um, what else we got? Someone says the Drew Busby tie. Mark Butler says, it could have been worse. Uh, Son of Edinburgh says, I have a bad feeling about this 90s memories. And uh, Kevin McCann also says, too many flashbacks. Hmm. So, yeah, mixed feelings. And I think it will depend on the era that you come from. But it is Airdrie against Hearts. It will be played the weekend of uh, Saturday, February the 10th. So looking forward to that one. We'll preview it in more detail when we get closer to the time. You're listening to Scarves Are in the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So, coming to the end of our shorter episode this week. But before we go, we will have to preview the next game for Heart of Midlothian. They're back to league action as they host Dundee at Tynecastle on Tuesday night. So, it should be about tomorrow by the time you're listening, if you're on this on a, a Monday morning or a Monday afternoon. Um, Hearts sitting in third place, 10 behind Rangers, 5 ahead of Killy just now. Dundee have dropped down to 7th at the moment. They do have 3 games in hand on Hearts, though. They've only played 18 games this season. 
the dark blues, but they've not been in the greatest run of form. If you might, you might remember they were kind of up close with Hearts and at one point overtook them in the table, but just one win in their last seven. That was away to Ross County, and they were there to win in their last three games. So, a game that Hearts will certainly be looking to win. But Mark Donaldson, this is the type of game where we've often maybe found it tough. We're at home, uh, an expectant Tynecastle crowd against a, a Dundee team that have been decent this season. And they showed that in the game at Dens Park, which was maybe at times one of Hearts' worst games of the season, albeit there was a spell in the second half and they really should have found the back of the net once or twice. For me, th- th- there's two games here. There's the game with Shankland and the game without Shankland. So it's very difficult, as we record, to know whether or not he's he's going to play. Um, the concern is a lot greater if he's not featuring. Um, who do we play? We're going to have a lot of the ball, so what's going to be different from the weekend? How... How can we learn? Why haven't we learned so far from these teams that just sit back? How can we get at them against a side that'll they'll not be as bad as Livingston were um, when they came and just didn't bother going over halfway most of the time? But we're not going to have much space. So how are we going to do that? Um, question for you. Who do you start in goal? This is tough. I would start Craig Gordon, but I think I've made this clear before. I think Craig Gordon's our best goalkeeper. And I made the comparison to Lawrence Shanklin in terms of if Lawrence Shanklin had been out and Vargas or or anyone had been playing well and scored some goals, you would still put Shanklin back in as soon as he was fit and ready. I, I think Xander Clark's done well. I would actually say he's done better than I thought he would. He's had some he's obviously had some errors, he's had some moments where he's not looked as capable. I say on the whole, though he's been a good stand-in. But I still think Craig Gordon's a better goalkeeper. If Craig Gordon's fully fit and he's ready, I put him back in. I don't know if that's what the coaching staff will do though. Hmm. Now that's I. yeah, I, I would I would just I would guess at this stage they would put Xander Clark back in because and I get this argument as well. Has Xander Clark done anything particularly wrong to to say he should be dropped? I, I would still argue Craig Gordon's a better goalkeeper, so you play your best player in each position but that would be I think their debate just now and I do you know you mentioned um, it's a it's a, it's a tough one with the with the coaching staff and decisions to be made I, I don't maybe envy that decision because you've got two players who both want to start and you've got to try and keep them both happy and Craig Gordon will not be playing for Hearts forever will Xander Clark be the man to take over not for me to say right now but if Stephen Naismith thinks that might be the case, he's got to keep that player happy as well. So it's not easy. It's not an easy call. What's more important, finishing third or making sure there's harmony among the staff of the football Man. club? Many will say Gordon, the two go hand in hand. Oh, yeah, I, I'd get that. Look, play your best players. He's back. He's proven he's, he's, he is what he was. That was. That was the one thing, the back of... His mind, more important than anybody else, do I still have it? And I guarantee you that when he tipped that ball over the bar, he might not have the same smile as he did in that um, that gif from Hamden after he saved from Porteous's header. But internally, he would have been going, fuck yeah, I'm back. You play your best players. And whether it's harsh or not, this isn't a game of... Um, everybody gets a participation certificate. No, 
this is this is football, right? This is livelihoods. And Xander Clark's been I I, I everything you say was was pretty much what I what I was thinking as well. I thought you summed that up very well. But if we're waiting for a mistake, which is ultimately either what we're doing, because when are you deciding who's going to play which games? I mean, that just this isn't about trying to get them both to the Euros. As much as you want to say that, this is about playing your best players. For me, Craig Gordon should start. I want that comfort blanket behind me. I want the best goalkeeper in Scotland right now playing again. He might be a pal of mine, but I don't. That that's got nothing to do with it. If it was the other way around, I'd want Xander Clark to start. Um, but it's but it's not. For me, Craig Craig should start. If Xander Clark was your pal, you'd want him to exactly. Start. No, <laughs> no. If 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 Xander Clark had to be our number one and Craig Gordon was my pal, but he was the I backup to Hearts, you know what I mean. So yeah, I I I'm with you. I would start Craig Gordon as well. I don't think he does start, and I don't know when he starts again. If it's Adrian or whatever, but that's you can't play him once a month. That that ain't going to happen. Um, I'd start Lemba Kisa. Um, I yeah. think he, oh absolutely, absolutely. Atkinson's not going to be back yet, so yeah. no, no, no. And I, I know we kind of played Forrest there, and, and Oda was on the right hand side. Um, yeah, he's played Tagawa. almost. He's, he's played almost thirty games this season. He played in the FA Cup against. Oh, listen, you, don't even, need to, you don't even need to justify it. Yeah, fit and ready. Justify it. He's brought Absolutely, up to start. Yeah. Brought up to start. Um, so, so he plays. Cochrane plays. No problem with Kent Halkett Kingsley in this because we know how we know how to. And I'm not saying go back to a four. I'm I'm happy with with a three in in, in this one. Um, Beningami, um alongside him. Denham Grant Tagawa. No chance. Get him out of there. Again, it's 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 Shankland to Shankland or not to Shankland. That is the question. Yeah. I'm going to have to make two predictions for this game. One with, one without? Because if Shankland's not there, I'm saying we draw 0-0. I'm not convinced we win the game, yep. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going 0-0 without Shankland. And, you know, we're, we're solid. We don't concede many goals. Um, keeping a clean sheet is very possible, regardless of, of the availability of our number nine. I just struggle to see us creating chances and finding the back of the net. Right now, you know, we struggle to break down Spartans, albeit Dundee will not be quite as defensive as Spartans. But if uh, Tony Doherty's got anything about him, and I think he is a very good coach, he's proven to be a decent enough manager so far, then he will look to frustrate us and um, maybe hit us on the break. They'll have more on the break than than Spartans did. So I'm going to go nil nil without Shanklin. If Shanklin's back, I, I'm going to say one nil Hearts. Probably Shanklin okay. to score. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going... If Shanklin's available, I'm going 2-0 hearts. Yeah. Shanklin. I almost went. I almost did. Almost. If Shanklin's unavailable, I'm going 1-0 hearts. Scott Fraser. Oh, you think he'd be playing? Boom. Time for Have some of that. Have some of that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's four, predi four predictions between the two of us. And we'll still probably get none of them right. Uh, probably. Um Whatever happens, we'll be back to, to discuss the game. Thank you for tuning in to our Cup special, albeit with a, a bit of signing and league chat in there as well. I, I know talk of Shanklin not being available and Airdrie Cup memories, it's probably not the best thing to shake off the Monday Blues, but hopefully just being back and talking about Hearts Cup win and um, and yeah, a few other positives in there. Our, our new Jamaican star, then maybe that's giving you a bit of a boost to start the week. But either way, 
thank you for tuning in we'll be back later in the week to discuss hopefully another heart's win bye bye